are listening to the episode two of Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast, the show that empower you to redefine the life you want and live your best life now. I'm Francine Delay, your host, and I'm thrilled to have you here with me today. Are you at a point in life where you are looking to create more meaning in your work and in your life, make more money and lead a movement to change the world? Let's have a chat. Go to www.francinebelay.com slash podcast. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E-B-E-L-E-Y-I.com slash podcast. And click on request a call button for more information. My guest of the very first episode of Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast is Courtney Kirschbaum. She is the founder and CEO of Job Hunt School, an award-winning keynote and TEDx speaker. Courtney is on a mission to build a movement of entrepreneurial job seekers who know their value and want to find their place. She believes in people before they even believe in themselves. In our conversation, Courtney explains the key factors to take into consideration when seeking new opportunities, why so many people are underpaid in the workforce, and how she's able to increase her client salaries by more than 50%. She also tells me why living in truth is so important, as well as the importance to know your value and how to claim your power back. Courtney believes that we can always make different choices, get the education and the knowledge we need to reposition ourselves. Now let's dive in. Hi, Courtney. Welcome Hello. to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I'm honored to have been invited. So your promise is to transform job seekers into top candidates. Tell me how exactly you do that. Francine, I do that by primarily giving them confidence, helping them believe in themselves. Because often when job seekers come to me, they're frustrated. You know, these are talented people, but they can't seem to bring the pieces of their job hunt together. So the first thing I do is help them kind of reset and make them understand that it's not them. Because that's the question so many job seekers ask. I, I can't find a job. Is it me? Maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. That's almost never the case. And the second thing I do is introduce them to a practical kind of playbook of A to Z. This is how you find a job because most people have never been taught that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, in another article also uh, on LinkedIn, you say that fear makes us blind to opportunity. Can you tell me more about how we can get out of fear and see more opportunities? Absolutely. One thing that most job seekers do is they job hunt, they look for a job in isolation. So everything that happens, they don't have anyone to offset, you know, to tell them, oh, you know, probably wasn't you, it could have been anything, that industry is really not strong this year. But I think because we're afraid of maybe facing rejection or saying to other people, yeah, I applied or I interviewed and I didn't get the job, we keep it all to ourselves. And when you are in isolation, you're more likely to be fearful. And fear, if you think about it like a radio, is noise. It's static on the line. And you can't hear the most important kind of inner, inner music or inner voice there is. 
And that is your own intuition. And that's why it's important when you feel yourself going negative or getting fearful to get out of isolation and either find other job seekers or find a coach or whatever works for you, but don't do it in isolation. Yeah, so that's so true. Actually, isolation is really something that uh, you should never do in life in, uh, in, uh, in all circumstances. Tell me also, you say employers need you more than you need them, even though it sometimes may not feel like it. <laughs> so uh, knowing this, how should we approach a job hunt to find our dream job? As an entrepreneur, as someone who has value and who has assets that they are exchanging for the time and the salary. The one thing, if I could kind of erase it from modern job hunting, is this concept that employers give us a job. They're not giving us a job. It's an exchange. It's a business contract. And we've fallen into this kind of belief that, oh, I'm going to apply and they're going to give it to me, when really it's a business transaction. So I think the way to, if I could modify the modern job hunt, it would be to have job seekers think like entrepreneurs and realize it is the honest truth. A boss said to me once when I was negotiating for a job at a company, she said, Courtney, they need you more than you need them. Stand up for yourself. And that's what I would say to, you know, that's what I would say to every single job seeker. They need you more than you need them. Stand up for yourself and honor your own value. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later because okay. how you really make sure that you can uh, demonstrate that value actually and, um, you know, negotiate. But let's, before we get there, now let's talk about meaningful work, meaningful life. Okay. So what is your definition of meaningful work and meaningful life? I think living in truth, because ultimately, if you have a job that you're not happy with and you're doing it for the money, and we have all been there, including myself, it's not, it's not living in truth. You're making a compromise. So I think truly a meaningful life is one where you can live in truth. You can be around the people you want to be around. You can do the work you want to do. Um, you can be of service to the people you want to be of service to, to be in truth. Yeah. So um, you, I, I also wonder, why are you passionate about helping job seekers? Because if someone does not realize their potential in their career, which is a third of your life, and these days it's even more because we're always connected via our phones. <laughs> if that potential is not realized, to me, that's the greatest waste that there is. Mm -hmm. If someone truly has a, has a passion, a fire inside them, and they don't know where to apply it because they, they haven't been taught. And we're taught to read and we're taught to work hard and we're taught to be you know, good workers. But no one you know, really at any point in our lives takes us aside and says, this is how you realize your own potential. Um, we're supposed to figure that out in darkness. And mm -hmm. I felt that way. And as soon as somebody shed the light, I was like, why didn't I get this sooner? I could have used this so much, you know, when I was so much younger. Um, I'm thankful that I found out at all. But as soon as I realized that, that there was a part of my existence that had been in darkness for lack of information, um, and ignorance really is a form of cruelty. That's when I knew this is, I never want anybody to feel like I felt and to be you know, hamstrung in the way that I was. Um, so that's why I do it. And that's what, what keeps the fire burning for me. Yeah, that is really, really great, actually, Koshne, because I, I love when you say we are, you know, meant to figure this out 
in in darkness, which is actually the case. I I really don't understand why, you know, we go through the whole education system, but never ever there is a place where we get taught how to figure things out and how we can really fulfill our potential. So, um, So when you actually do you realize who you are and what you're meant to do in life if such thing has <laughs> happened? <laughs> that's a great that's a great question. Well, I'll I'll tell you my background is one of um I've always had a job. Yeah. When I was growing up, my parents had businesses and I did that literally from the time I was tall enough to be seen over the counter. I worked at my parents' business. And then in high school I had jobs, in college and I always worked. Um so I and I never thought about it. Mm-hmm. And what happened in the United States I think around 2000, 2008, 2009 is the economic downturn. Of course, having worked my entire life, I was burnt out. And I thought this is an opportunity for you to stop working and get some perspective. And I took that opportunity. The company I was working for went out of business. I had already planned to take a year off, which really was shocking for someone who was a card-carrying workaholic. Mm-hmm. And that's when I began the, the, what is it, the cliche, the journey of self-discovery. <laughs> but it truly was. And I'll, I'll tell you one characteristic of that was, I, I was such a workaholic and work had consumed my whole life. It took me six months just to be able to sit still. In the, in the first six months of being unemployed, being totally free, I got a wilderness first responder certification, an ACS and personal trainer certification, and I took a um, LSAT, which is the law board's uh, uh, prep class, because I couldn't, you know, just not do anything. I couldn't be a human being, as opposed to, they say, like, a human doing. Yeah. But that was the beginning, and it took a while, and I think that's important for people to realize. It didn't just occur to me on some random Monday morning, (laughs) I'm going to be a career strategist, and I'm going to help job job seekers. It took me a while to figure that out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which steps did you go through? So once you finally stay still, then what's... <laughs> once once I got still, and I think it's important to note that um, all those things, I did all those things, I invested time and money, and I did them because I was genuinely interested in them, and I genuinely enjoyed the experience. Uh, well, except for the LSAT prep, prep course, I'll never be a lawyer, but that's something I needed to know. And I think what we tend to do is you try something, and then if it didn't, it didn't work out, oh, well, you failed or you quit. Mm -hmm. Well, those were just explorations. That was just something that I thought I wanted to do. But by the time I was going through that, I had already had a career behind me. I had a lot more confidence and no one would look at me and say, well, you can't commit and you can't make up your mind because I'd already spent 20 years doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think maybe giving people a little more bandwidth to try things out instead of tagging them as quitters or people who can't commit. Um, Those were the first steps. And then the most powerful thing I did was I went to a, I guess what would be tagged as a personal development course. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, personal development gets a bad rap in some circles. Mm -hmm. But that was seven days, uh, a seven-day seminar where I just kind of explored what I wanted to do. I met other people who were in the same boat. And those people were my community as I went on this journey. And again, it comes back to isolation. If you try to do this alone, 
it's one of the biggest mistakes you can make and it's what most people do. But when I went to that seminar, I got the skills, skills that I share with people now, and I got the community of other people. We all went through it together. And I will say this, when I first started, I'd left my corporate job. Someone said to me, they were an entrepreneur, very successful. They said, Courtney, where you start is nowhere near where you're going to end up. You think you're going to start and you're going to be this thing. But what you end up doing, if you stick with it, if you don't quit, if you persevere, it may look quite, you know, quite different from what you expected. And that has proved to be true. Yeah. But it took... It took a couple of years to find it. And that's, you know, for a lot of people, that's challenging. Um, I got in a position where um, I'd saved some money, so I didn't have to work for a year. But then I did go back to work and I kind of finan- I continued to finance that tr- transition. The most important thing is not to quit. Yeah. And if you have a community, you're less likely to quit. Yeah, I get it, you know, totally. And I really understand that exploration and uh, being surrounded by people who can help you is really the way to go to explore and move forward. Um, so can you tell me one of the toughest moments that you've encountered in life that finally end up to be a blessing in disguise? Um, my big dream when I was growing up was I wanted to live overseas. I... I, you know, I thought I wanted to be in London, but I just knew that I wanted to be someone who traveled the world. Mm -hmm. So when I got my first job overseas, um, I mean, when I interviewed for that job, it was like, I I just was going to get it. I was so determined. I've never been more determined to accomplish something in my life. Um, And thank God the people who interviewed me, the company, they must have felt that too. So they they brought me on. I was living in Europe. I'd, I'd left everything. I'd, you know, left everything, my car, my house. I went to Europe. I couldn't have been happier about it. And when I got to the job, I realized that it was really a leap for me. I was around people who were much more sophisticated in their knowledge, in their, their kind of the lexicon, knowing the language of the business um, that we were doing. And I was horrified. And I don't think I've ever told anyone this story. But one day I went over into the park across the street from our offices and I called my mother and I burst into tears. I'm like double pumping. And I said, I don't think I can do this job. And I was crying and it was just, I mean, it just seemed like the most horrifying moment. And I was just afraid that I couldn't meet their expectations. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, literally a grown woman standing in the park on the phone crying to her mother. (laughs) And my mom, of course, you know, my long-suffering mother, you know, gave me a pep talk and and she really pointed out some things. She said, you know what? You're exhausted. You've just been through this unbelievable experience. You don't have any friends there. Take, finish crying, get your cry out and and you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And that job really was a big stretch for me. And it was extremely challenging, but that was a... That was a moment where it was do or die. Mm. You know, are you going to quit and go home or are you going to buck up? And I, this is a choice that I made. I thought all you can do is the best you can do. When you don't know something or you don't understand something, don't let shame or embarrassment or pride or any of those things get in the way of you saying, guys, I don't know what you mean. I don't know what you're talking about there. And this is what I learned. Mm. It wasn't nearly as hard as I thought it was going to be. Um, a lot of that language was just kind of in-group language that I didn't understand, 
but it it could have been said in much plainer language, but we tend to use the language of our in-group. And, you know, I worked really hard and it was very challenging, but I pushed through. And whenever something happens to me now, I think about that. And I think, God, if you survive that, you can survive anything. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. So looking back, when you look back at your childhood, how has it prepared you to be who you are today? I was a very independent kid. Um, I was fortunate in that my family had, my families had businesses and they gave me a lot of responsibility from a young age. Um, you, you had to show up, you had to open the doors, you had to do what needed to be done. That was great for me because God knows what trouble I would have gotten into if I hadn't been working. I'm definitely one of those kids that needed to have um, something to do, but I learned how to work at a young age. I learned how to get up, dress up and show up. and. I had a lot of independence. I grew up in the country and, um, you know, we didn't have play dates and they're just, kids weren't as occupied back in the day. I know I'm dating myself here, but (laughs) I had a lot of time to make my own choices. Hmm. And that combined with work really prepared me to kind of, uh, to get into action and do things and to to work. And early in your career, um, just that getting up, dressing up and showing up has tremendous value. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, So, and what's your superpower, would you say? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Inspiring people to believe in themselves. Mm -hmm. Because I see when, especially in my work, and I think that's why I do what I do. Mm. I see people and they are, oh, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know if I can do it. And they're not believing in themselves. Often Mm. I, that's when I encounter a person Mm. and I just see all their potential and how great they can be. Mm. And I believe it from the bottom of my heart. And I didn't know that about myself. Um, somebody actually said that to me. Um, and I thought, gosh, you know, I think you're right. And, and I was doing it. I just hadn't really put a name on it. So that's it, to, to, to inspire people and get them to believe in themselves. Mm-hmm. Where do you think that this come from? Be helping, wanting to help people to believe in themselves? Because this is something that I'm seeing a lot of people doing. Uh-huh. But where actually that's... Um, you know, that belief come from, that we can believe in somebody before even they believe in themselves. Where do you think that come from, actually, from for, for, for on your side? That's a brilliant question. I know that I've always felt that way. I've always probably been more of an optimist than a pessimist. Mm-hmm. And I think it might come from my own experience. Mm. I'm so... I don't know if you would say stubborn or determined or both, but because of that, those characteristics in my own personality, I've persevered and usually it's paid off. Yeah. So it's easy for me to say, you know, you can do it. You know, if you persevere, it will pay off. Um, And I was surrounded by, um, I think I was surrounded by really optimistic people who also believe that in my family. um, I think my grandmother lived with us and my, of course, my own mother, somebody who was very op- optimistic and someone who had those beliefs as well. So I was surrounded by it. To me, that was the way of the world. Like this yeah. is how the world is because the, those are the people I was surrounded by. And I also was surrounded by people who had a great deal of faith and not everyone has faith. And I'm mm-hmm. not talking about religious faith necessarily mm-hmm. because you can have religion and not have faith and you yeah. can have faith and not have religion. Yeah. But I, when I look back, I realize you were surrounded by people who believed in things that they couldn't touch and see. You know, they believed in um, the benevolence of the universe, that it was a good, that the universe was good. Um, 
So those things probably all kind of, I think I marinated in that and, and that's what inspired it. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, having gone through your own personal experience and knowing that it is possible where no matter how hard anything is, it is possible to come back on the other side. I think that experience that you have yourself, yes. actually, I think that is what actually gives you the faith that if only <laughs> you can see, you can, you can believe, you can cross uh, on the other side. You I will. agree. Yes. Okay. That's what makes a true believer, someone who yes. has been through the fire yes. and come out on the other side, for sure. Yes. Yeah, good. So for anybody, you know, who is listening now, who doesn't have a meaningful work, how can they transition from something that they look as a mundane job to find something a little bit more meaningful to do? The first thing I would say is follow your instincts. Because what I see a lot of is, um, and we get this a lot when we're children, we're kind of conditioned away from our, our impulses. You know, I want to be an astronaut. Oh, you can't be an astronaut because you'll have to go to college to be an astronaut. And we can't afford to send you to that kind of college. And, you know, a lot of practical, yeah. um, you know, practical torpedoes that hit our dreams and kind of knock us out of the box. So follow your intuition. And sometimes if you are in a job right now and you're miserable, and I, I, I see this, we all see this a lot. Mm. You maybe make a great salary and you have a good practical situation, but your soul is dying a little bit every day in your job. The first thing you want to do is realize that you can make a different choice and there will be challenges. But the most powerful thing we have is our choices. I mean, where you are today, whoever you are, whoever's listening to this is a result of a choice you made in the past. Mm -hmm. And where you'll be next week, next month, next year, in the next 10 years is going to be a result of choices. And you don't have to make them all today. Make one today, make one tomorrow and, and have some consistency. It's going to take time. Yeah. The next thing is surround yourself with people who believe in you. There's this great saying, it might've started with Jim Rohn. It may have started before him. Mm-hmm. You are a composite of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah. And if you're surrounded by people who are telling you, you can't do that. How are you going to pay the bills? Oh, that's not going to happen. There's a million people trying to do that. Get that community of people who are true believers and who believe in you. Those would be the first two things. And if you're really at a a block, if if you might feel like I've given up, I'm never going to find my thing. I'll close with this. I felt that way in my 30s. I thought you've had a great career, you make great money, and maybe you're just not going to find your thing. But I knew that I wasn't living in truth and I had to, I just had to, to try. So it's, don't go, don't give into that thinking because everybody's timing is different. Some people get it at 12. Some people get it at 20. Some people get it at 40 and 50 and 60. So don't give up and think it's never going to happen for me. Don't let that candle go out. Yeah. I I love that actually. And some people even get it at 90. I know that there was (laughs) a musician actually (laughs) who only find his break when he was 90. So, you know, you're never too late until you, I think, (laughs) breathe. (laughs) Agree. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, good. Now let it's time to talk about money. Money. (laughs) Money, 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 money. So um, you say that your clients have increased their 
salary as much as 50%. I'm very, very interested to know how exactly have you done that? You know, I would love to say that is a reflection of my brilliance, my skills, my abilities. But sadly, it's a reflection of how many people are underpaid in the workforce. Um, You mentioned uh, my program, Job Hunt School, and the tagline for that program is know your value, find your place. Mm -hmm. And most people don't know their value. They're not taught how to negotiate or to make uh, objective assessments about their value in the marketplace. No one is ever going to pay you what you're worth, Mm -hmm. but your skills and abilities have a value in the marketplace. And most people don't know how to make that assessment. And again, they don't know how. If they're older, they might be a little bit embarrassed or uncomfortable with the fact that they've gotten this far in their life and they still can't figure this out. Mm -hmm. And I bet everybody else has figured it out, but nobody's talking because everybody's doing it in isolation. And the person on either side of you probably hasn't figured figured it out either. Mm -hmm. So... The people, that, that case in particular was someone with a college degree who was waiting tables. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was all there and it was just a question of positioning and getting that person to believe in themselves. Yeah. But that's not uncommon. And I'll tell you, Francine, the same, whether it's a, someone who is a recent graduate who's waiting tables and wants a quote unquote real job, or it is a battle hardened CEO with 25 years of experience, they come to me with the same mindset. Mm. They feel uncertain and insecure because they're not seeing the results they want and they blame themselves. And if you feel that way, it is not your fault. You can make different choices, get the education and the knowledge you need to reposition yourself. It is out there. And a lot of it is out there for free because I know a lot of people, if they're unemployed or they're waiting tables, they may not have a lot of discretionary income. The internet is an amazing source of great resources. Be discriminating because there are a lot of people who pretend to be experts who aren't, but don't let money be the reason that you don't um, become informed and you don't kind of reposition yourself and know your value and find your place Mm. and don't settle for being underpaid. Yeah. And I love the, uh, you know, um, find your value. Can you give us a little bit of some tips how to really find your value? What's the first thing anybody can do to start to find their value or, you know, assess their value? Absolutely. So the first thing you want to do is, you know, be objective. You really need to look at yourself in this situation as a resource. Um, And you can even score yourself, you know, You've got if you have a degree or if you don't have a degree, then maybe you have experience. So the first thing you want to do is learn about the market where you are. Is it accounting? Is it packaging? Is it shipping? And what is going on in that industry? That's kind of your first indicator of, you know, do, do people with my skills have a lot of value right now? And are they value, valued by the market? Or is this a market or an industry that may be shrinking or even dying? Now, it is not whether or not you have value. It is whether or not your skill set has value. Mm-hmm. Um, also realize that despite the fact that everyone wants to hire somebody with experience in this industry, in, in this job, there are ways to reposition yourself because most skill sets are completely transferable. The most important thing is to bring enthusiasm. Do research on all of the free job sites, Glassdoor, they're just, just you know, salary finder, or, you know, how to, how to establish a salary. Go to the 
association or professional group. Um, every one of them, there, there is a professional association for absolutely everything from firemen to veterinary, uh, you know, veterinary doctors to dentists to project managers. Find yours. They exist to help people like you, like you're their people. So if you're a project manager, um, you know, go to the PMP site or go to any project management um, association because they will have resources to help you understand what your value is in markets in your country all over the world. So, and talk to other people. Get on LinkedIn and just start searching for, um, I'll use a project manager example. Mm -hmm. Strangers are more likely to help you than the guy down the hall who you work with. That's just a fact of life. Mm. It's the power of loose connections. But if, if you just reach out to people and say, hey, I'm a project manager in Texas and you're a project manager in Maine and I'm kind of curious, uh, it looks like you've done some work in the oil industry. Can you tell me a little bit about that? People have so much knowledge and nobody ever asks them to share it. So when you reach out to that stranger and say, I respect that you've done this work and you have knowledge, would you be willing to share some? Most of them will type their fingers off to help you. And if they won't, then find someone who will. Mm, yeah, no, that's great. So two, 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 twice you, 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 you've talked about positioning and I think yeah. positioning is very, very important in this world. As you say, you're not going to pay, be paid for what you're worth, but what your skills you know, what's the values as your skills and within the market that you are in. So how then can you ask for what you're worth, whether you are a job seeker, somebody in a job, or even an entrepreneur, how to ask for what you're worth without feeling awkward? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Because most people really want (laughs) to ask, but they feel, oh, well, I I know. (laughs) So how do you do that? You do your homework Mm -hmm. because if you do your homework, then your eyes will be wide open. You will go from being in the dark to being in a very well lit room and that will give you confidence. You will sit in that chair or you will, you know, be on the phone, however you're doing your negotiation and you will know most people don't. Most people are like, well, I'm not sure. And then they ask one person and they go in with, without really preparing. Mm -hmm. Do your homework, go to the sites, read about the industry, read about the company, um, and realize that you have to make it clear right up front. People are like, I don't want to insult the employer. I don't want them to think I'm a, you know, a bad person or I'm greedy. Um, Well, they're not worried about you thinking they're miserly because they don't want to pay you a fair salary. This is business. It is not personal. And at this point, you know, the companies will try to, they have a lot more experience doing, doing this. And they may say, oh, you're going to be a member of our family and on, whatever. It's business. And you have to make a good business deal or you're going to be really unhappy once you get in the door. So get educated and go in there with all of your researched on all of your knowledge in place and build a case. And remember, once they've made an offer and you're in the position to negotiate, you have more power than at any other time because they've said, we want you. And they've spent a lot of time and money getting you to this point. So you have a lot of power, even though you may not feel like it. Mm -hmm. So do your homework. Um, There's a book that I I recommend Um, and it's called Never Split the Difference. Mm-hmm. It's, you can get it an audio book or you can get, uh, you know, just order from Amazon, however you like to consume. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, that's one of the best books on negotiation I've ever, I've ever read. And mainly because it tells great stories, but it will open your eyes. And if you've never read a negotiation book, um, then that's probably why you're underpaid. So yeah. read a book or take a course or do something like that. But don't expect, you know, don't expect great results if you haven't educated yourself. I, I had a, I met a woman on LinkedIn. I wish I could remember her name, but this is this great quote. She said, if you don't train, then don't complain. And I will say that about negotiation, because if you train, you won't fear negotiation. You won't fear stating your salary. And if you fear those things, then you need more training. Go get yeah. it. Yeah, great. I love also saying that ignorance is not a strategy, actually. No, exactly. Educated. So, and also sometimes, you know, we may actually be passionate about something and a job and things like that, but that kind of job doesn't pay well. How can we actually do both what we love and get paid, you know, as we want? I think the first thing is just leave space for what you think you want to do Mm -hmm. to be something slightly to the left or the right of that. (laughs) Um, But if you're sure, okay, this is, I know I want to do this. There's no question about it, but I can't make any money doing it. Mm. Ask yourself, honestly, are you just using that as an excuse not to you know, work your way up a pretty hard path. Like you could make money doing it, but there's going to be this period of a few years where you're not going to be driving a late model car or carrying the latest bag or, um, or you're keeping up with your friends spending. And those are real reasons that people don't do it. But what they say is, mm. I, can't, I can't make any money doing that. It's mm. like, oh, you can make money doing that, but you're going to make a lot less money. And what is that going to feel like to you? Um, now, I'm not knocking people who have kids to put through college and mortgages to pay and those types of things. Hmm. Um, but sometimes it really is, you know, our ego gets in the way. We don't want to give the appearance of, of taking a step back. Yeah. So be honest with yourself. And, and wherever you are in your career, realize if you're unhappy now, and I had this moment, I thought, I can't do this for another 20 years. I've loved this career. I've had great experiences, but I have to get out. Have that honest, um, have that honest moment. And then the next step would be to find people who are doing what you want to do and making money and humble yourself if that's what it takes. Um, be the beginner and reach out to them and say, I want to do what you do or something similar to what you do. And if they say no, they say no, go to the next person. Mm-hmm. If they say no, you say next. Just find someone who will tell you because that will open your eyes. We often think we know things that we don't know. So those are the first two steps. Be honest. Yeah. Couldn't, could you do it? Or is it just that you're going to have to endure some discomfort and then find people who've done it and start asking questions. Mm-hmm. But this just assuming that it can't be done or that you, you know things, you may not actually know as much as you think you know about what can be done and what can't be done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that's great. So I, um, I discussed with somebody also last time who is transitioning from a non-for-profit work. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you say, you know, make your honest assessment of what you want to do. And yes. she wanted to make more money. So but what she, you know, is currently doing or she was doing is not giving her what she wants to earn. So and as you say, she put her ego out of the way and she's learning as a beginner again, how to make more money into a private sector world. So I think, yes, you know, it's 
you know, it starts with honesty, as you say, and get your ego out of the way uh, and ask other people. (laughs) Absolutely. There's so much knowledge out there and people are much more willing to share than than you might think. Mm -hmm. Good. So we are now coming to the last section of our conversation, which is building a movement. Uh, I love the saying uh, that say, don't start a company, start a movement. So what do you think about that? Are you starting a movement or a company? I hope I'm starting a movement of entrepreneurial job seekers. Mm. People who approach it in in a much different way, in a much more independent way, who want to achieve mutual benefit with an employer, but don't believe that that employer is quote unquote, giving them a job. Mm. So yes, if I'm starting a movement, I'm starting a movement of entrepreneurial job seekers who, who know their value and want to find their place. Yeah, I think you are on a great journey because <laughs> a lot of people, I think uh, the future of work and all the indication, I think is pointing towards what we are doing. And this is what I find fabulous, you know, your movement and what you're starting with Job Hunt and, um, you know, helping people to approach the market as entrepreneur with this entrepreneurial mindset, really. So, uh, so tell me, how do you want to be remembered for? As a liberator. Mm, I love that. Mm. I think we are trapped by preconceived notions. We're trapped by ignorance. We can be trapped by shame. And it is so easy to provide knowledge and encouragement and liberate a person. And anytime that someone comes to me and tells and tells me you know that they did something because of a of a training that I gave or a talk and that whatever they say to me it is it is an experience of liberation mm. and that is that is to me the greatest the greatest thing that you can do for a person is to free them um, to liberate them. So that's how I'd like to be remembered. Wow. I hope that I'm going to find big liberator on your website. When I'm going to get <laughs> I hope because so too. I think, yeah, that, that is a brilliant. And this is exactly that, you know, the end goal is liberating people from their own, you know, um, self-imposed, um, you know, um, burden or, you know, not self-imposed as well sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's great. So if you have to live your life again, knowing what you know now, what would you do and what would you no longer do? <laughs> I would no longer worry as much. Uh, total waste of time. Um, I, I would spend a lot more time daydreaming. Oh. People think that, you know, daydreaming is a waste of time. You know, we're so bought, you know, we're so bought into the Puritan work ethic. Mm. But, you know, the greatest geniuses tell you that imagination is where it all begins. Yep. You know, whatever you realize is going to have to begin in your mind. And if you don't make time to quote unquote daydream or imagine or explore what's inside your own head, then you're, you're really significantly limiting what you can create out in the world because that's where it all starts. Mm. Um, so that, that would definitely be one thing. Uh, yeah. A lot less worrying, a lot more daydreaming. <laughs> and I think to be fair, I wouldn't, I wouldn't judge myself or others uh, quite as much or quite as harshly. Yeah. Um, you know, you, and you, that's something that comes with age. You just yeah. realize everybody, you know, to a certain degree, it's a lot of personal development and coaching yeah. and change. It's all great. But yeah. sometimes people just need to go, you know, to go do their own thing in their own time. Yeah. And, and that's a form of freedom too. 
Yeah, everybody has to take their own journey. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So any final advice you can give uh, to live, uh, to do a meaningful work and live a meaningful life? Follow your own instincts and trust your intuition. Mm, that's it. it will never steer you wrong. And there's so much noise and comparison and media and information. And again, it's a bit of a cliche, but the answers are inside you. You and I discussed a choice that you have to make in the next few weeks. And I was going, what I wanted to say then, and I'll yeah. say now is mm-hmm. find a quiet space and follow your intuition and you will absolutely make the right choice. Wow. I will definitely follow <laughs> your advice, Courtney. <laughs> and I'll let, you know. I'll let you know about the results. <laughs> I can't wait to hear. <laughs> okay. How can you share some resource? I know that you've, uh, you've shared earlier this book about negotiation, but you know, any kind of resource that our listeners should absolutely know about um, to do a meaningful work and live a meaningful life. One of my favorite resources has become uh, very recently podcasts. I've always been a big radio person who listened to radio shows, but of, of course, podcasts are that much more amazing because you know they're accessible and you can binge listen. So, one podcast that has inspired me and kept me going when I wanted to quit is a podcast called How I Built This. Oh, actually, yep, I've uh, I know this podcast. Okay, what do you like about it? That it tells, of course, inspiring stories of people who had unlikely um, projects or, or um, you know, merchandise or companies, and they succeeded and they persevered. And of course, I am, you know, someone who was an, uh, an entrepreneur, entrepreneur growing my own company, and there have been moments where I'm just like. I can't do this another day. I mean, I knew I wouldn't quit because I, I want to be here, but sometimes it's hard and it's especially hard when you're you know, by yourself. Mm-hmm. So I would listen to that. And I listened to one in particular by James Dyson. And I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to hug the guy because it was so inspiring. And he, he, you know, he talked about his journey and it opens the door to all of the things that people do before they're successful. And I think we live in a world where all the light shines on successful people. And then we compare ourselves and we think, oh, I'll never be like that. Mm -hmm. And what you don't see is literally the years of debt, isolation, abandonment by friends and family because you're crazy, you need to give up on that vacuum cleaner or whatever it is you're doing. Mm And of course, when the success comes, everybody, you know, runs to, to them. Yeah. But it, it talks about the hardship that proceeds, that can precede success. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we need a more fair and balanced view of that. Wow. And if more people knew that, I think they would, would understand, hey, this is normal. What's happening to me? This failure or this hiccup or this whatever. It's normal. I'm doing okay. And not only am I doing okay, I'm actually doing the things that hugely successful people did. They failed this way too. And all of a sudden you feel a lot better. So how I built this and Guy Raz is um, the person who conducts the interviews. Mm, yeah, no. I, I, great I think, inspiration. I think this is a brilliant reminder uh, because, you know, yes, so much, too, too often we only see the success without seeing the tribulations and there are tribulations. So nobody oh, gets yes. to that place without <laughs> any tribulation. Earlier, I was saying that it only took you a couple of years to figure out what you want to, to do. Some people, it takes them decades to figure out, 
So I think, yes, the idea, um, you know, and also, you know, my philosophy is that, you know, looking at all successes and, um, you know, the challenges along the way is also part of the whole, uh, you know, uh, a meaningful work and meaningful life, um, you know, and um, success doesn't come overnight. If somebody tells you that, take your um, feet and run fast because <laughs> that will lead you to um, a very uh, un- unhealthy place. So I'd love to thank you so much, Courtney, for being on this podcast and sharing your wisdom. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. Thank um, you. It's been an honor to be here. It really has. Tell me, how can people reach you and learn more about you and what you do? Really, the best place to reach out to me is on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I, I don't think I'm the only Courtney Kirschbaum, but I might be. I'm very easy to find with a name like that. <laughs> and I'm going to add the, uh, the notes in the podcast notes as well. Okay, um, that is great. And if you're interested, if you're a job seeker, there are great free resources on um, my profile on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me at CourtneyKirschbaum.com and there are links to all my social media and all my digital programs at CourtneyKirschbaum.com as well. If you're not on LinkedIn, that's an option. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Courtney, and I'll speak soon. Thank you. The show notes of this episode of Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast are available on my webpage, francinebelly.com slash podcast, that's F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E-B-E-L-E-Y-I dot com slash podcast, with all the references and resources shared by Courtney. Once you are there, leave a message in the comment section to let me know about your key takeaway from this episode. If you enjoyed this episode and want to show your love and support, subscribe to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or the app where you are listening to this podcast and leave me a five-star review. It will take you a minute, but it will mean a lot to me and help me know that it is serving people out there. So remember, I am giving away a few digital facts of my book personal branding in the digital age to celebrate the launch of this new podcast and help you kickstart your success in 2019. It includes the ebook, the audiobook, and the editable playbook to create your personal brand roadmap. To have the chance to win one of the digital packs, go to where you are listening to the podcast, leave me a review, and post that review on one of my social media channels, on Twitter, on Instagram, or on Facebook, whichever, and tell me that you have left a review for your chance to win one of those brand new digital packs of my book, Personal Branding in the Digital Age. So I will see you next week for a new episode. Until then, dream, act, and make an impact. Lots of love. So I'll see you next week for a brand new episode. Until then, dream, act, and make an impact. Lots of love.